connected as we walk through Psalm 96 together. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Glory be to God the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us, that with you as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal, that we lose not the things eternal, through Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found uh, from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant, Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west, and there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today uh, continues on from Paul's second or Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 4 verses 2 through 9. I entreat Yodia, I entreat Sintichi to to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. And from Matthew's gospel in the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us, then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated, and I invite our young ones to Christ. Another short prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would guide us by your Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us rest in the joy that you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, we're winding down in the book of Philippians. We're in the second to last section that we're going to walk through. So next week on uh, Reformation Day will be the last little piece of Philippians, and then we will move into other things. And as I'm sure you remember from last week, as we looked at the text before us, we saw where Paul was encouraging the folks that they're part of a different kingdom. They're Uh, have a citizenship in a different place. They're a people with a different leader. As As he reminded them that their citizenship is in heaven. They're gathered together as a unique people. You could almost think of it as resident aliens here during this time where things are broken, but he calls them to unity. Unity in mind, unity in service, unity in Uh, Lifting one another up and encouraging and remembering that you all are bought with a price. You are bought with the blood of Jesus and forgiven. And in that shed blood and forgiveness, God has made you all one people with a different citizenship in a different kingdom. Yet here we live in this time and place with that mindset in a place where we get to put our hands to work in a different way. But God was or God, was speaking through Paul as Paul wrote to the Philippians and saying, look, gather together. And it fills my heart with joy to see how you work together and how you take care of one another and how you continue to serve the wider church in beautiful ways when everyone else thought you were too small and it's unexpected, but yet you continue to care for me and care for others. And it's so beautiful to see God's work through you and it just fills me with joy. It's that basis that we get into the words today. And I'm sure you saw the themes flowing through 
the text between anxiety and rejoicing. Things that don't seem like they necessarily would go hand in hand. But before we even get there, Paul had to do a little bit of housekeeping real quick too, right? And he said, all right, uh, first off, before we get into these other things, I'm going to remind you that uh, God is there with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Um, But hey, there's two ladies in the church that are having some division and they're having some problem. A fellow worker that I'm writing this to, would you get together with them and just work things out for a second? Because uh, they need unity right? And then he says, remind them that their names are written in the book of life. They don't need to be fighting with one another. They don't need the division causing in the middle of that. So go sit with them, go talk with them, speak God's word into their lives and bring them back together as you remind them that they're part of the family here. And I love this moment where we get a couple of just sentences real quick from Paul and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice The Lord is at hand, is one of those lines that's in there. And he says, let your reasonableness be made known to everybody. Reasonableness. We hear that a little bit differently sometimes, and we think our reason or our logic or our ability to be able to work through uh, different logical problems or arguments. But what he's talking about there is more gentleness, kindness, tolerance. Tolerance in the true sense of being able to live life together with someone else that has a different opinion and not just say who's right, who's wrong, but to be able to live life and continue a conversation. To be able to tolerate something doesn't always mean accept, accept it, but to be able to walk through life together with folks with a different point of view. Okay? So he's saying let your reasonableness, let your understanding, let your kindness, let your gentleness be made known to everyone. Why? Well, because the Lord is at hand. And you're rejoicing, right? And you're one people gathered together by God. And so he hits all these points really quick. And there's this sense of a preparedness with urgency, right? So take the time to be prepared, um, but know that something's happening soon, right? When he says the Lord is at hand, I mean, that's Those are big words. That's a big thing. It's a beautiful promise to us that we hear. And I mean, maybe 2,000 years after Jesus' presence, we start to forget about the fact that uh, God promises to come again and promises to be with us every single time we're gathered around his word and his gifts. But as Paul's writing to them, he's reminding them the Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming again. The Lord will be here. The Lord will gather his people together. The Lord is present. And it's this sense of urgency that almost echoes like the Exodus. Do you remember when the people of God were there in Egypt and then uh, God was working through all of the plagues and then he says, okay, on this last one, you need to prepare and be ready to run because the Lord is at hand, yet prepare to do so and wait. Have you ever had to urgently wait? Urgently waiting is no fun. Right? You have to be absolutely prepared for something and then you have no idea when it's going to happen. It's like being a kid when the parents say we're going somewhere special. You're like, yeah, but when? Right? Urgently waiting starts to weigh upon us. Hence Paul's next words as we start to get into anxiety. Right? These anxious feelings, this anxiety that pops up. And as he says, do not be anxious but by everything in prayer and supplication. Make it known to God and thanksgiving, right? 
I heard it. <laughs> but this prayer, thankfulness, and, thanks, and uh, rejoicing, right? This rejoicing and this prayer and this thanksgiving in the middle of anxiousness. So I started looking up a couple of things on anxiousness and found some fun quotes, right? Thomas Jefferson, one of our founding fathers, had an interesting one. And it was something along the lines of um, <clears throat> how much strength has been stolen from today by the evils that have never happened, okay? It's kind of an interesting one. Uh, there was another one from Luther that had a couple of different sides to it, and he says, as you look through God's word, uh, God never calls us to be gloomy in his presence. He says, you can be gloomy before the world, but to be gloomy in God's presence is almost not trusting in his rejoicing. Now, I don't want you to hear that, that you can't lament, or you can't be sad, or you can't be any of those things before God, because that's all over the scriptures. But to trust his promises is also going to be what we hear in the Psalms as you hear David continually lament over the things that are going on and say, I rejoice in who you are, Lord, right? It's okay to be broken about the things that are going on in the world, but in the presence of God, we should rejoice in the fact that he is at hand and that his promises are true and that he continues to be with us. It's hard when all that stuff kind of starts to overlay and there's so many things in this world that continue to bring us brokenness. I mean, you look at Ukraine and Russia for a couple of years now. You look at Israel and Palestine. You look at the droughts in places. You look at the earthquakes going on in places where thousands upon thousands die in a moment because of buildings that fall down, whether it's Haiti or Somalia or anywhere. I think Morocco was one of the other ones. I mean, stuff breaks all over this world, and we see it happening, and it's hard to not be gloomy. We see stuff in our families that goes on, and it's hard to not have broken hearts. And then we start to get anxious about the things that are going on in people's lives, too. Amen. The health things that go on, the relationship things that go on, the job things that have been going on amongst all kinds of folks, even within our church, start to weigh upon us. And the anxiousness that kicks in because we don't know what the outcome of those things look like starts to weigh really heavy. And yet we hear Paul's words again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And you say, yeah, but how? How can I rejoice when all these other things are going on? We hear the words again. The Lord is at hand. That's a promise to you. That's a good thing for you. You've been wrapped in his name and Christ's righteousness. And so when the Lord is at hand, he looks at you with favor. He looks at you with promise. He looks at you with loving eyes and open arms and open ears to hear your prayers and says, look, I'm here for you. I want to hear you. I want to be with you, and I want you with me. And in a place like this, when he gathers all of us together, as Paul continued to write to the Philippians about unity and about joy and about everything else, he says, look, and amongst this gathering of folks, the joy that is there because you do get to encourage one another and you get to be reminded every single time you're together here about the promises of God for your forgiveness and life into eternity in his presence and his kingdom, which you're already a part of now. That should bring joy. And it does bring joy. There's another quote uh, by a guy, and I, I think the Apostle Paul will have appreciated this one. 
uh, is a film, American filmmaker and a playwright. His name is David Mamet. You'd have to look him up and see what shows and things that he made because I didn't remember all that stuff. But I remember his quote. And he said, we should have pie. Stress is not able to be in the presence when there is pie. That's right, absolutely. But this joy and perspective on things, right? When we start to go out into the world and see the broken things, if we then let that shape our perspective and bring it into the church and say, look, the church is just as broken, which is true at times, yet the Lord is still at hand. And it's God's church. And he continues to hold on to it and lift it up. And day by day, there are more and more that continue to be added to the numbers of God's church. Continues to grow throughout the years. Ever since the time of Adam and Eve, ever since Abraham being brought into the picture, ever since the people of Israel gathered together, ever since the baptisms in the river by John and Jesus, ever since the times that Paul and the other apostles would write and talk, ever since every single household that would hear that word would receive it and the whole household would be baptized and brought into the family of God and Paul continued to write letters to them, ever since those days, God's church continues to expand. Yes, we see different things in our daily life at times. And throughout the years, there's places where it shrinks and other places where it grows, yet day by day, more and more, hear the true promises of God and hear those words of Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because the Lord is at hand. It should bring us joy. God's presence to a forgiven sinner is joyful. God's presence in the life of your household is a joyful thing. See, and that's the perspective that starts to shape the way in which we look at things. It's okay to be broken by the things that are in the world. Absolutely. But when we look at those broken things, we can lift those up to God. Because when those start to bring us anxiety, when those start to weigh upon us and we can't handle it and we don't think we have the means to do anything or we've tried absolutely everything we can do and we can't make ends meet with any of it, that's where God's ears are right there, open and ready to hear our prayers with everything by prayer and thanksgiving, giving our supplications to God and saying, God, you handle this one. You've promised to hold on to me. You've promised to take care of me. I know it's not always going to look like the way that I expect it to look, and there's times I'm going to have to deal with that. Yet, you continue to promise joy by your spirit. You continue to promise life by your hand. You continue to promise forgiveness by Christ. And you continue to promise that you're going to hold on to the world and one day absolutely restore it and redeem it. And we pray, Lord, that you would let that happen. And that you would fill our hearts and minds with joy so that we can trust in that promise and know that even though things don't look the way we would want them to look all the time. We know that God is still at hand. It's still his creation. He is still Lord over all, and he continues to promise joy, a joy that will continue on into eternity with song and praise, with food, and I bet there will be pie, because in that presence of God and pie, whew, there's nothing that's going to mess anything up, right? This beautiful promise of God that in the here and now when everything makes us anxious to continue to promise joy and rejoicing because of what he has accomplished for us in Christ and the promises he has fulfilled 
to make us his own. And one day the Lord will be at hand in a very present and real way where we will see him, not just trust in his promised presence, but to know that right there in front of us is Jesus himself. What a joy that'll be in that day. And we will rejoice. So one more time, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that you continue to fill our lives with by your work in Jesus and by your work, by your spirit. Is You lift us up and we need it, Lord. There's so many things that weigh us down and we continue to trust in your work to lift us up. When the things go on that are low, we pray that you would bring our church family around us and speak your promises into our ears and smile the smile that you would smile to us, yet through their lips and faces, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to let us see you because you have made us worthy to do so in Christ. Lift us up and lift our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.